your interviews with Brian Chesky, I learned a lot from those episodes, actually. Me too. Also, I liked his idea that like they were going to only ship the number of features he could keep in his brain and that his yeah. brain would be the maximum you know size yeah. of the canvas so if if i, I can't, if one person can't keep all these changes in their brain let's put those changes into the next six month cycle i thought that was pretty yeah, yeah. Awesome i actually well. borrowed a heuristic from there adapted it for our company which was if the person building the feature doesn't know how to write the code for it mm. they're very good programmers but if they're finding it a hard time to break it down and actually implement it then it's not worth shipping this week in startups is brought to you by crowdbotics Great ideas can change the world. And Crowdbotics is the fastest way to turn those ideas into code. Get a free scoping session for your next big app idea at crowdbotics.com twist. Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com twist. And... OpenPhone brings your team's business calls, texts, and contacts into one delightful app that works anywhere. Get 20% off your first six months at openphone.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. We have been having an amazing array of founders who are taking on the challenges of implementing AI in the real world. And today will be no different. Uh, we have our Unvind. Shrin Ivas on the program. He's the founder and CEO of Perplexity AI. Welcome to the program, Aravind. Do you have a nickname or you go by Aravind? Aravind's good. Thank you for Aravind's. having me here, Jason. Uh, great to have you. And um, listen, you there's a big battle going on between ChatGPT and Bard, and you're right in the middle of that. You are doing Perplexity AI, correct? Uh, and you are trying to compete with these two giant, you know, software developers, tell us a little bit about how that's going and how you see perplexity.ai, which you can go check out right now, you the interface will look familiar. How do you plan on competing with them? And how's that going? Yeah, so firstly, we, uh, we started off a week after ChatGPT came out, we put it out. And there was a lot of difference at that time, which is we were just a search bar and we gave direct answers with citations. Uh, whereas ChatGPT was this entertaining hallucinatory bot that was not not just, you know, like correct many times, but it was also equally wrong many times and its mistakes were also entertaining, right? So we focused a lot more on revamping search, realizing that, you know, 10 years from now, no one's going to be asking for 10 blue links, you're going to ask for answers. So mm -hmm. we might as well start it today. And the technology for that was ready. Uh, both ChatGPT and us were basically being powered by GPT 3.5. Uh, that was the fundamental breakthrough. And then after that, GPT 4, even better than that. So that's kind of how it started. And we were seen pretty different. It's like, oh, you know, if ChatGPT lies or makes up, makes up things, there's this other side called perplexity. You go there and like, it's going to be this boring, educated uncle kind of product. But useful and you can trust it and that's kind of how we grew and then bard came out um i believe bard still hasn't solved the fake news problem completely um it, it does hallucinate and it doesn't actually have like real citations sometimes hmm. um 
So we we are better than Bard in that in, in the context of search. But Google's also rolling out this thing called Magi, or they call it search generative experience to the public. But uh, the Wall Street Journal called it Magi. Um, so they're they're trying to do something pretty similar to us. And so far, the experience, at least from what I've seen and my, myself used that and other people who've used that, is it's not very different from the way they used to extract text from the top link and put it mm. basically at the top. It's not very different from what they've already done before. Um, and they cannot afford to use really powerful models for like the search traffic that they have. And if they actually want to really get it right for, uh, in the actual search bar itself, outside of bar they're going to lose a ton of revenue mm. yeah so they have two challenges there and so do you, have you done a crawl of the web because you are giving citations and Correct. you do have a language model behind this yeah. so tell us what is underneath the hood here because i have yeah. been saying hey if you're going to get a bunch of information and present it to me in a beautiful uh you know answer with bullet points and numbers uh like perplexity just did for me i asked it hey what are activities i should do with my seven-year-olds and uh, they like cities and the outdoors and it gave me four popular uh, destinations for cities and four popular destinations outside really good suggestions really tightly summarized and then at the bottom it said hey and then here are three citations uh, trip advisor u.s news family vacationist and today the today show um so what's underneath the hood here yeah and how is it generating the answer yeah so LLMs are these great reasoning engines. Uh, you throw you, you throw a lot of text at them and tell them what to do with it, and they'll do it for you. Um, and then there's the other part that's great, which is having a good index and a, rank, a ranked version of the index, which is a traditional search engine. And what we do, where we come in, is we combine the two together. We say, hey, like LLMs are great. We'll figure out what content to throw at them for a given query, and we'll instruct them on how to actually uh, take all the text that's thrown at them in the context of the query and get the needles from the haystack and present it in the right format to the user. So they're doing more of the reasoning job. They're not actually doing um, pulling up actual facts that's been stored in the LLM itself because some of them could be right, some of them could be wrong. The real actual facts are in your web pages. So that's the content that we want to take. And we have like our own index and also like we rely on other index providers. And we collate from multiple different indexes, multiple different crawls of the web and pull up the relevant links. And then we ask the LLM to do all the reasoning on top and then we give you the answer. Now, the magic is that all this happens so fast. We've put out the product in December and back then uh, the latency used to be like five to six, six seconds per query. In fact, one of our investors, Daniel Gross, he used to joke uh, to me saying, you should call it submit a job and not a submit a query. It's that slow. And now it's like almost as fast as Google, like you're hardly waiting. Um, your, your, the summary is like really generated really quickly. And we still have like, you know, so much more room to improve there. And I think at, at some point, you're just going to take answers as the de facto search experience. That's kind of what we want to bring together. And, and our primary like superiority over the existing products is the speed at which we deliver these really accurate, well-collated answers from so many different sources. And so, but you are built off of today, ChatGPT 4, correct? Yes, we heavily use ChatGPT 3.5 and 4. And we also use a little bit of our own LLMs for many other things. We have every question you ask on our site, you see a few related questions that are being popped up, right? 
that's actually one of the favorite parts of the product for many of our users because they like asking more. And that is sort of generated with our own LLM, for example. So there are and some so, parts of the product that yeah. we use our LLMs, but uh, I would say like most of the heavy lifting is being done with uh, OpenAI's LLMs right now. And so you added right now, does that mean you plan on building your own? Um, because it does seem like you're directly in competition with Bing. Bing has the partnership with ChatGP4, so it's almost like you're yeah. both using the same underlying technology. Correct. They already have some scale, so that that uh, would be a difficult race there. So how yeah. do you look at ChatGPT's 4's relationship or OpenAI's relationship and yeah. uh, Microsoft's access to it? I think we just need to win by building a superior product. There is just no other way. And I believe so far we have done that. We have not won against them, but they, they still have a lot of distribution through Windows devices. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people just go to Edge and they, they can start using Bing Chat. Um, but people have, despite that, won against Microsoft in the past. Like take Google, everyone went and searched for Chrome as the first search query on like Internet Explorer to install it. We all did that despite the friction they added. Um, so there's one way, there's only one way to win against a person who has much more distribution than you, which is a superior product. Now, about using the same underlying technology, it is the case today. Uh, the reason is they have the best models and there's still a lot of differentiation you can have in how you harness the power of these models. These are mm. so general purpose machines. It's almost like you buy the engine from somewhere, but you're building um a whole car with a lot of different parts and you can still build a better car um and if it is the case that open ai is just going to be the number one place by far and you want to give the best product to your users uh you don't need to use their model like th there is no um like like you can say yeah i'm, I'm going to use my own model because i don't want to use someone else's but then if the search experience is pretty there compared to what you have with open ai you don't, you're not going to get users. And then you build your own modes of differentiation in other ways that just the person owning the LLM cannot build a, as good competitive product as yours. So if just the LLM is the only reason this is working, we, we don't have a chance. But that's not the case here. There are so many other things needed to be done to give you this experience where there's real-time facts being pulled up and presented in the right manner, uh, super fast, reliable, and like make the product engaging. So all that also matters. So for example, with, uh, people have done comparisons between us and Bing. And, um, you know, we have like much better accuracy in terms of how correctly we cite things. Uh, a lot of academic research has been done there. Uh, people spend on an average like two minutes more on our site than Bing. Uh, so that engagement is much better there. So our bounce rates are much lower than Bing. So basically, we only lack in one thing, which is number of views on the site. Hmm. But that can only be addressed if we're given sufficient time to grow and like make people aware of us. All right, we all know the one thing that separates great startups from the good ones is product velocity. What does it mean, product velocity? Fancy term, right? You got your product and you got velocity, speed. The speed in which your product improves. So can you ship updates? Can you release new features? Can you do bug fixes? Can you iterate on the interface? Can you solve problems for your customers? And can you do it quickly? Because you're not alone. You have competitors and your customers have choices. They may fit solve their problems by writing their own custom code, or they might use your solution. This is what startups are about. How fast can you get that product velocity going? And so, you know, how, you, how do you supercharge it? 
everybody says, okay, yeah, we want to go faster, but you got to go faster intelligently. And Crowdbotics is going to help you do that. They're your CTO as a service. Basically, they provide you with the most optimal architecture to get your product to market as fast as possible. You'll have access to an on-demand product manager and developer talent, and they will help get your app into production 10 times faster than conventional development. Crowdbotics can work with your in-house dev team, or you can just have them work independently. And you own all the IP, you own all the source code, let the folks at Crowdbotics supercharge your product velocity today, no more waiting, get a free build plan at crowdbotics.com slash twist. That's a $4.99 value just for the twist listeners, you get that for free. That's C-R-O-W-D-B-O-T-I-C-S.com slash twist for a free build plan. How do you um, get the citations? If you were asking this query I just did about like, hey, what cities Mm -hmm. Should I take my seven years old to and then what outdoor locations? How do you actually get the citations? Because ChatGPT4, they, they don't provide citations? Um, yeah. Or do they? They have this thing called a browser plugin, um, uh -huh. which is basically powered by Bing. Mm. Uh, but people hate that experience in the sense it's really slow and clunky. Uh, yeah, it is slow and clunky, yeah. And um, so how do we do the citations? We basically pull up the relevant links to your query. Uh, from a search index and then hmm. we combine that and tell the LLMs to write the answer we, we basically ask the LLMs to go read all those links hmm. and then pull up the relevant paragraphs from each of those links and then make an answer out of whatever you thought was relevant but write down the answer as if an academic or a journalist would write it where each part of the answer ah. has the corresponding citation like Wikipedia you basically say hey like I want you to do the job of what a human does on Wikipedia, where when they're writing uh, something about a new person or a new phenomenon or a new city, this is basically going and like uh, picking up a lot of web links about that, um, sifting through them and reading them and then coming back and writing an essay on it, right? So that whole human labor, intelligence needed to do that, is being automated now. Mm. All of this happening in like seconds, right? That's yeah. worth like hours of human labor. And that's the value we're actually adding to everybody. Got it. And so you collect all those links, give all those articles, and then give the, the summary yeah. of them. We basically and instruct the LLM to like, hey, behave like a Wikipedia person. Just, just write it like this. So the core of this is prompt engineering and knowing how to prompt engineer um, yeah. for different types of queries. Because different queries might require Correct. a Wikipedia editor. Other ones might me need a more Correct. of a sensibility of a journalist. And the LLM knows the difference between those things? You need to make it know. That's ah. the skill there. And, 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 and you're right, prompt engineering is a big part of it. Um, but prompt, it, 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 just because somebody might have your prompt doesn't change much, actually. Like prompts can leak. Mm. Uh, so it's all about orchestrating the backend, uh, the, making it work with the right sources, too. Mm. Um, so there, you know, there's a Steve Jobs movie with Kate Winslet in it where uh, there's a scene between Wozniak and Jobs where Wozniak's mm. like, I'm the guy writing all the code and I'm the, I'm the code. You don't write code. You don't do design. Why, do you, why does everybody know you and not me? Mm. And he says, I play the orchestra. Mm. So that's basically where anyone who aims to build a long-lasting company on top of LLMs, mm. the, the thing you need to be really good at is playing the orchestra. Like having so many things work together reliably and efficiently and correctly and f and super fast That's so one of the pieces here. is searching the web and finding the right articles the next piece is knowing how to write the answer 
Right. What are the other pieces here? Um, Picking the relevant, relevant parts from each article too. Like, ah. article has a ton of content in it. You only need a few for the query you ask. Mm. Making sure that you write the answer in the most accessible way. Initially, we just started off with just putting text with citations. Then people were like, hey, I want neatly formatted answers. I want markdown in it. I, I want like code to be rendered in a specific way. I want images in it. I want like videos in it. Mm. Um, I might want to customize it according to the domain I, I'm searching in. Like, and then people keep asking for more and you learn more about the second part of Google's mission, right? Making it universally accessible and useful. So the, the first part is organize the world's information. The second part is basically where LLMs are adding tremendous value now. And how do you deal with specific verticals of mm -hmm. data that are more siloed? I see yeah. one of your co-founders or one of your founding team members were was from Quora. You, of course, have the Reddit data set, mm -hmm. uh, great for conversations. You have Twitter, great for debates uh, yeah. and funny one-liners and breaking news. Uh, you have Yelp, you have Google Local, you've yeah. got all these silos of data. I asked yeah. it, hey, what are some great Greek restaurants? Did a pretty good job of telling me Greek restaurants in the Bay Area. And so how do you think about um, those silos of data? And are you intercepting searches and saying, hey, this search is about local businesses and restaurants, this search is about something that the Reddit data set would do better with? How do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, so, so uh, the part about data, like, you know, the access and things like that, it's, it's an ongoing debate. And like, I don't have like, you know, very strong opinions on what each, each person should do. Ideally, if there's a need for us to pay any party for their data access, we'll do it. Um, as for how we do it, like what links we know for you to use for which query, we, we do like take your query and figure out like which category it is and like try to use that mm -hmm. information to um, give you the right sources. It's pretty hard actually. Google does a tremendous job at this. And um we are also doing something called focus searches where in the search bar instead of using all of internet you can go and pick like academic or you can pick youtube you can pick reddit wikipedia and you oh, can just really? yeah yeah so you can, ah, you can there is a drop down called all yeah and i could just pick youtube and then yeah. youtube you have access to the corpus of all the transcripts or just the metadata i guess and titles uh, for now we use metadata and mm -hmm. titles but that's already amazing uh, sometimes I can't find some videos on YouTube directly, but these LLMs are so good at like doing the relevance ranking. That's much better than the YouTube search algorithm. Um, the language models do better than Google's native search algorithm. Wow. Sometimes, not always. Got it. Most of the times it's equal, but sometimes it's just really good at like these fine grain. I was trying to find a video of like, oh, so what, there's this scene in this movie I want to find for watching for inspiration or something. And then... I couldn't find it on YouTube and I come here and I get it. Uh, it's very useful for Reddit. Like I want to like learn about like, you know, the nothing phone, like, you know, who's even using it? Who are those million people? And then I, I don't have time to go to the subreddit nothing phone and like score over all these like links. It's very useful there. Uh, people use it a lot for Wikipedia. Like if they just want to focus on one thing. Like I was talking to the founder of Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales. And he literally just asked for this feature, like, hey, I just want to do search over Wikipedia with an LLM. And I was yeah, like, hey. that's a great idea. Yeah. So like, I think the I think they're building it now within Wikipedia itself. Hmm. Um, interestingly, I did a search uh, for interviews uh, with the CEO of Airbnb. Mine didn't come up, but other ones did. But then it came up with I did ones from the past year. And uh, man, that was kind of a bingo. 
it kind of nailed it, uh, which is a kind of a nice feeling. Um, I really think that's a creative idea. And I can see how what you're talking about is yeah. got some, um, there is some point to this, which is, if you narrow the scope, or you build some interesting prompt engineering or narrowing, yeah. uh, and thoughtfulness, you can get to a better answer. So yeah. What's going to be your business model here? You talked before about how Google is not going to make be able to make it work with advertising. There's a group of people who believe that uh, the chat interface will cannibalize their existing business. So mm -hmm. do you agree that the this chat GPT style interface or just the chat interface? Let's leave the GPT out of it. Um, nobody owns a chat interface, but is the chat interface anti-advertising or could advertising be integrated into it because on all in a lot of the i think three out of four besties thought hey advertising is not going to work and i thought i think advertising is going to work great inside of this you have your citations but you could put right in embedded in the discussion you know all kinds of interesting things so if you were asking about places to travel with your kids and i'm disneyland and you didn't make it i could put in there hey and if you're thinking about outdoor stuff Disneyland also has this adventure park and they do the safari and I could have like a really AI generated answer at the bottom. So it gives me the correct answer or what it thinks is the correct answer, but then it also gives an ad engines answer to it. Correct. So am I right? Or are my other three besties, right? You decide. I'm more of a two here. Oh, you are. Okay. So firstly, I think relevance can be even more targeted now than ever before. I, what, what is the purpose of Google? It's just bringing two parties together, the advertiser and the consumer. And they help you connect these two par parties together with their query and link matching, right? At the end of the day, yeah. the advertiser wants to get their content to the consumer of the content. And LLM can give you that needles in the haystack even better. Like it's e even more targeted honestly, uh, that if I were an advertiser, I would just kind of focus on selling myself really well, writing even better marketing copies with LLMs uh, catered to the person I'm trying to sell to. And we, we introduced this thing called AI profile on perplexity, mm. where you can just write about yourself. Uh, ah, and, yes, I saw that. And, and, and that way you, the, the results are even more catered to you. And then if you're an advertiser, you can say, I want to like target people who are of like having all these attributes in their profiles. Mm. Um, and then uh, the ranking will automatically take care of that. So in some sense, you're, you're, you're creating way more relevant and targeted ads than ever before. I don't know if you use Instagram, but uh, my experience in Instagram is that the ads on Instagram are even more relevant than, than um, uh, Often is th that is the case. Here, take a look at this. I don't, can you see my screen? Here's the query I did uh, based on our little back and forth here. Will LLMs, will the chat interface be uh, accommodating to advertising? Well, I put in here, you're the CEO of Disney Parks. Pitch me on why I should take my seven-year-olds to one of your parks. And so imagine this got appended to my previous search, which, hey, what should I do with my seven-year-olds in a city or outdoors? And I says, oh, thank you for considering one of our parks. For seven years, here are reasons we believe you'll have an unforgettable experience. Number one, a place where everyone is welcome. Two, more value and flexibility. Three, uh, disability access service. That's kind of weird. Uh, number four, new attractions and experiences. That's really good. Uh, memorable music. 
that's good too actually uh park reservation system that's great uh we hope you'll consider this and then here it could have bookings and would you like to talk to an agent do you have further questions and you, you could just hijack somebody's chat stream uh for your own purposes you could, they could be thinking they want to go to europe for the summer and then you could sell them on going on a european disney cruise or something and i i think that this kind of um style of advertising where a company ceo starts a discussion with you in chat gpt uh and in a in a chat interface uh is going to be magical yep and, and and like you said, you know, you can give you an uh, I can give you an answer that's sort of neutral and unbiased and it's not targeted at you. And I can also say, by the way, in case you were actually looking for something very much to you, and if you already shared that information with us, fully transparent and you're in control, uh, we're not going to do it in a creepy way like Facebook. Then um, we should be able to give you the answer. Uh, we should be able to help the advertiser sell, uh, sell to you even even better, right? So I think basically I'm going even more abstract first principle and thinking that uh, it's not clear how you do it in the product and how you build a business model, but at an abstract level, the point of advertising is to reach the right person to sell to, and uh, this can help you do that even better than the current system. So therefore, it should, you should be able to figure out something at a level below this. Hmm. If you're a SaaS or services company that stores customer data in the cloud, then you need to be uh, SOC 2 compliant, you knew that, from a third party, and you need that third party to close big deals. And if you want to get compliant easier and faster, you need to use Vanta, V-A-N-T-A. Vanta makes it so easy for you to get and renew your SOC 2. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And Vanta can save you hundreds of hours of manual work and up to 85% of compliance costs. This is a total no-brainer. And Vanta does more than just SOC 2 compliance. They also automate up to 90% compliance for GDPR, HIPAA, and more. You can't afford to lose out on major customers. We all know that. Listen, it's a hard year. Last year was hard. You can't lose those major customers because you don't have your compliance dialed in. Just work with Vanta. Get your compliance automated and tight and tight is right. Lock down those big deals. Here's the best part. Vanta is going to give you $1,000 off. That's 10 hundies. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. That's vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off your SOC 2 so you've uh, raised some money uh and you're currently trying to grow the company tell me a little bit about um what it's like to try to compete in this area for talent yeah. uh yeah. people are raising you've raised a lot of money but people have raised even more uh and there's a massive talent uh, uh battle going on right now is it better to just hire great developers and have them learn uh, yeah. Because you're not building the fundamental model, you're building something on top of it. Yeah. How, what's your strategy for talent here? Yeah, so we, we don't waste time trying to hire people that Sam Altman will be hiring anyway. Mm. Uh, it's very, it's, you cannot compete. They have way more cash, way more, like, and they can give way less percent of the company because they have way bigger valuation. So what we do is go for these people who, are still trying to get into AI, very talented engineers who haven't done AI before and want to be part of an amazing product that's growing and they want to feel the dopamine from shipping every week mm. and want to see their stuff actually being put up. And there, there is a, quite a lot of people, there are quite a lot of people who are like that, like who haven't done AI before, very talented generalist programmers, 
Uh, that's mm. another thing that I look for, which is, are they generalists? Can they do back and can they do front end? Can they like strategize for the product? Can they do prompt engineering? Because all these are new skills. Like prompt engineering is not like a, you know, you don't need to, there's, but there's, you cannot ask for years of experience there. It's, it's like a few month old skill. Uh, so you just need to be somebody who's like pretty logical and like pretty good at like getting things done. Um, you were at OpenAI for a while. Um, I was at OpenAI, yeah. Yeah. How long were you there and what did you work on? Uh, Generally so speaking. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I worked on like diffusion models and like conversational models for like like chatbot. Like not not exactly like ChatGPT, but more like trying to get uh, another modality into like conversations. Mm. So that's kind of what I was focusing on. Um, but the reason I started this company was because uh, ever since I came to US for grad school uh, in Berkeley, I was always interested in starting a company. And um, I was trying to look for people who were like me before, who were like PhD students who start a company. And there, I could only find one example from the past that I really resonated with was Larry and Sergey. So Larry is my entrepreneurial hero. Like he, he's the only reason I kind of wanted to do a company. Uh, and like, and in fact, in a book he's written, like he'd either do a, be a professor or he would, be, he would do a company and he would never work for anybody else. I had more constraints in my, like, you know, immigration and other stuff like that to have to like sort of work for a bit, get some money and like learn more skills. But that was sort of always there. And it's, not planned, but it's just more like a coincidence, happy coincidence that I'm working on search too. Um, yeah. But yeah, the being at OpenAI was really helpful. Back then, there was no ChatGPT, so I, I didn't foresee the future where OpenAI is so successful. But there was GPT 3.5 and it was pretty good. And like, you know, we, we knew like a lot of things were happening. Nobody knew that like if you put out these models in the chat UI, the world would go crazy. That, that was very ah. unknown. So the fact that people are so used to the modality of uh chat because they live in it all day long this was the breakout mo moment for ai because ai yeah. stuff had existed people were using it in the back ends to serve yeah. you up your for you page on TikTok or fill in your search query or giving you a couple of words ahead in gmail yeah. and finish your sentence all that stuff it was happening yeah but the it needed the interface to make it work yeah fascinating the generality mm -hmm. of the models was also amazing, but it was all, if you remember, OpenAI had a playground mm -hmm. where you could go and enter a prompt and in green yeah. text, you would see the completions, but nobody cared about like, the average person in the world did not care about it. And then no. you put it into a chat UI and then the world goes crazy, right? Huh. It makes you wonder if there's another thing that you could do exactly. that would make the world go even crazier. And I got to think, uh, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, were Siri and Alexa... Yeah. Yeah, just far too early. They yeah. they had the ability to understand what you were saying. Yeah, they just didn't have the ability to give you the right answer yeah. or any answer. Exactly. I mean, you could barely call. You know, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, call my mom," and it would be like calling Mother Teresa, and you're like, "No, no, 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 no. It's not what I want." And just even getting it to play the right song took three tries. Now with ChatGPT and and all these language models and Bard and Poe and what you're doing at Perplexity, it feels like talking to the computer would work and i don't know why this doesn't exist yet it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah like i, I, if I had so. perplexity as running in the background on my phone in my earpieces yeah. and i could just whisper to it yeah. and say hey hey perplexity what are some greek restaurants near me yeah. uh that have uh lamb and that are over four stars and it just gave me the answer back and started talking to me and yeah. i could take out my phone 
Yeah. That would be so magical. And just using the, the language models as your interface, but using voice and yeah. having it talk back to you would be incredible. Yeah. Still I mean, doesn't in, exist. In, fi in five years, I think what's going to happen is we'll, we'll talk. Uh, we'll, we'll all wear glasses. We'll talk. And then we'll, we'll see the answer rendered in, in our glasses. And then, uh, or it can speak back to us and we, uh, we can listen via the glasses or whatever. Uh, okay. Why doesn't it exist today? Like as we speak. Uh, hmm. I think you you can stitch together a demo uh, hmm. with a speech recognition model and LLM and then a text speech model, right? Yeah. Um, the latency wouldn't be enjoyable. Like um, the it's mostly on the LLM side, not not even on the speech side. Uh, you can make these uh, ASR and DTS work pretty fast. Uh, but if you had to wait for two to three seconds, it's a bit like talking to a socially awkward person. Hmm. Like they would be like staring at you for like two seconds and then giving you back the answer right yeah yeah so that's the experience you would get you it might not be very enjoyable like how you mm -hmm. and i are talking right now i think for that you need even smaller or even faster llms and ah so it's not it wouldn't have the response time that people would find not annoying it would be it would quickly become annoying correct. to have it giving those correct. pauses correct. yeah i find it quite charming now when my chat gpt interface like takes a second or bard is kind of skipping around and it stutters and then it plays and i'm like wait a second and then bard now just gives you the answer straight away boom yeah it yeah. doesn't do the typing but i've got yeah. i think the open ai apple app uh ios app has like kind of haptics in it yeah where it's like typing i think it's yeah. part it's kind of a gimmick right yeah it's not it a gimmick. Does it, we, we, we chose not to do it uh but there is this thing where you stream the output tokens uh token mm -hmm. by token the reason we did that is because you perceive the latency as lower. Ah. Like if I waited uh, in my backend to generate the full answer and then display it like in the Bard style, mm -hmm. you might just be like, oh, what the hell? Like, I, I don't want to wait, you know? Uh, right. And then you just, I just uh, bombard you with a huge paragraph. It may not be as fun as like anticipating, like you're reading along with the model generating the tokens. That's a different kind of UX. Um, I like OpenAI's choice here, but we didn't do the haptics thing because I found it pretty annoying to use when we were beta testing it, and so did the others in our company. Um, so that's that. That said, you know, like here's the thing with TTS: like you have to generate the full answer before feeding it into the text-to-speech system. Um, if it's just going to read it word by word as the LLM decodes the answer, uh, it's not going to get the tone of the sentence completely by mm. saying things right. So if there's an exclamation mark at the end. Yeah, you started reading the sentence. Yeah, that's a fair yeah. point. It's not yeah. going to know that. I'm curious. You also uh, were a researcher at Google uh, in DeepMind. Yeah. Before going to OpenAI and before launching your own. Yeah. A lot of these uh, language models were based on, you yeah. know, the seminal papers yeah. on tensors and yeah. whatever. Um, and a lot of the code base was open source or open yeah. source-ish. Yeah. Uh, I guess in Facebook's it was leaked. In the yeah. case of OpenAI, the original models were open source. How much overlap is there in the fundamental technology at this point? And how much is different? If we were to take, you know, uh, the top five language models, mm. how much shared DNA do they actually have? How different are they at their cores? So uh, everything is a transformer, mm -hmm. uh, which is the architecture built by Google in 2017. Um, and everything is generatively pre-trained with language models. So all of that is the same. Mm. The difference comes to what data it's being trained on, um, where OpenAI puts in a lot of effort there compared to other organizations. 
Um, the reason Meta's Llama models were actually really good, uh, despite not being as big as OpenAI's models, is because uh, the researchers there put a lot of effort into curating the right data. Ah. Well, explain what that means to lay people yeah. here who yeah. are wondering what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how these uh, intelligent uh, language models are built is you have this giant neural network and you download a lot of data from the internet, uh, terabytes of data, and you make these neural networks predict the next word given the previous words. You basically train them to be great autocomplete machines. And mm -hmm. by virtue of doing that, they become really good at reasoning and things like that. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that if you just keep crawling the web and scraping every page and then creating the data set, uh, you're going to keep getting smarter and smarter. Uh, in fact, you get smarter by like not training on junk and actually training on good quality data. Mm. Um, and, and now like, um, it also turns out that if you train a lot on coding, uh, like GitHub and other data sets, uh, you develop these reasoning capabilities to an even higher level. Than huh. not training on coding. Uh, it's kind of like thinking about like let's say you have a kid, uh, you you send the kid to coding or math competitions, uh, even if they may not become the you know the U IMO medalist, uh, they might end up being great analytical and logical thinkers in their life, and yes. that might help them in their life. So that's sort of what happens with these LLMs. And so if that's you pay a lot of attention to what data they are trained on, that helps you a lot in terms of what you can achieve with them later. So the base core IQ of these models will be much higher if you put a lot more effort into like curating the training data more carefully. And OpenAI was ahead of everybody else there. Um, Google has all the data in the world, but they, they didn't pay enough attention to this. Um, and uh, now like people have caught up, they've understood, you know, this is where they need to pay attention on. Mm. Uh, as for like who's really ahead right now, I think it's uh, OpenAI, like with GPT-4. Yeah, much far ahead. Who can likely catch up? There's one more organization called Anthropic. Sure. Uh, and and like they are the closest number two. And uh, both these organizations were more or less the same people. Uh, like the people who trained GPT-3 were the guys who went and started Anthropic later. Are you still using your personal phone number at work? At your startup in 2023, stop! Such a common mistake founders make. But Open Phone has totally rethought every detail of what a business phone should look like in 2023. Open Phone makes it so easy to do this and so affordable that you have no excuse. And you really don't want your team using their personal phones for business. Why? Well, it could get creepy. People start texting people on your team. It could be that they leave your company and the salesperson has all of these text threads going with all your clients and they bring them to your competitor. Do you want to deal with this nonsense? You don't. I can tell you open phone is amazing because we use it. Our sales team, our ops teams, we use it daily. We also started using open phone for angel summit communications. It's rated number one on G2 for customer satisfaction. And let me tell you, those G2 rankings, those are dogged battles. If you win that, you really have to be the best. Twist listeners love open phone. My sales team uses it. Our ops team uses it. Customer support uses it. And uh, you know what's great about it? You can create a shared phone number like we did for the Angel Summit with multiple employees being able to field those calls and text and keep it all sorted. It's affordable at just $13 per user per month, but Twist users are going to get 20% off that already ridiculously affordable price for six months at openphone.com slash twist. And if you got an existing number, OpenPhone will port it over at no extra cost. Head to openphone.com slash twist to start your free trial and get 20% off.
So when you look at the open source community, they yeah. seem to be really moving fast now. Correct. Uh, Meta's Llama models yeah, were leaked. leaked, maybe, or yeah. maybe leaked on purpose. Yeah. Uh, you think that you think that story is true? That it was leaked on purpose to jumpstart the open source community? I wouldn't be surprised, but you know. Yeah. It, it was it accidentally was leaked. <laughs> accidentally on purpose there's some so, parallels with the covid leaks there i don't know <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was a accidental leak but they might have leaked it because yeah but this um, was actually good like it was good for the world that this anthropic got leaked i'm sorry that llama got leaked yeah llama leaking was actually really good for the world it, it you know Why? i think i think i think i think it gave more power to the rest of the world in terms of what they can mm. do with LLMs outside of OpenAI or google mm. Or so that's my question. These open source mm -hmm. models, you've got a lot of people working on them. Yeah. And a lot of people are not happy with how closed OpenAI has become. Um, mm -hmm. Even I've started referring to it as closed AI. So if they're super closed, and open tends to win. If we're sitting here in five years, who do you think wins open source or, you know, Google and uh, open AI mm -hmm. with closed models. Who do you think is going to win? Yeah, it, it's you, you, if you pattern match open open tends to win. That's that's kind of correct. But uh, mm -hmm. there's like a catch here, which is the next big wins are not necessarily going to come from whoever is going to continue to train more. Mm -hmm. uh, you need some algorithmic efficiencies to to make use of compute even better, mm -hmm. and you need really good researchers for that. Ah. And the best researchers are sort of like NBA players and like they're taken by these organizations uh, mm -hmm. who pay them millions of dollars a year. And then if these guys who are building the tricks for making these models even better are in the closed organizations, then they'll always stay ahead of the open, right? So then, and if, and the, and if these organizations stop publishing these techniques um, and these guys just stay in these organizations are paid to stay there forever, um, it's kind of like, closing the walls. Uh, so the only way in which the open source world can catch up is like, there are like amazing researchers who kind of like work in organizations that are actively open source models. And I think right now there's only one big org that wants to do that, which is Meta. And so as long as Meta is in the game, I think there's a chance for open source to sort of stay there and like, you know, win in the long run. Hmm. Every other uh, organization doesn't want to publish anymore. That's a problem. Um, nobody publishing. Except for I, Meta. Except for Meta. Uh, and I guess that Google feels like they made a mistake publishing all this stuff and giving I'm it to sure Sam Altman. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Like they, they yeah. missed out on the whole revolution. Yeah, it's fascinating. No, and I didn't ask you about the paid version. What if I if I choose to pay, what do I get? And, so there uh, is this thing called Copilot. Mm -hmm. uh, that's more like an interactive search companion. Ah, uh, that it it does the equivalent of uh, hundreds of search queries for you, not just one. So you can ask it really complex queries like, "Go pull me all of Jason's investments and in all startups that he's done, and like you know, uh, at what valuations he's done, like prepare a table for me and get it back to me." Mm. Uh, if the information is there in public, uh, for example, I could only find the valuation you invested in Uber, but not on Robinhood. No. Ah. So then it'll come back to me and give me that information. Or, or you can say, like, give me the year-by-year -year revenue of AWS mm. ever since its inception. 
uh, I want to track it and growth percentage year over year, and it's going to come back to you with information. So it's almost like you're having a researcher at your disposal. Oh, wow. That's wild. For you. And ha- when it, you say it's a co-pilot, is it something that lives in my system tray and Mac or Windows or a Chrome? No, it's, going, it's, it's on the browser. The, ah. uh, the co-pilot is just meant to be like a companion, like that, the word mm-hmm. uses of the word is just a companion for search. Got it. And it's going to help you plan travel, buy products, um, mm. prepare meal plans according to your preferences. And if you integrate your AI profile with it, it's going to give you like much more detailed recommendations, uh, travel itineraries, uh, web research. Like I wanted to know a lot about like when did Reed often start making money in LinkedIn? Like, you uh, know, they, they took a while to like start making revenue. What was the hypothesis in blitz scaling? All, all these kind of things that you, you're like not... Oh, coding as well. Like, write me a piece of code for pulling up all Elon Musk tweets to where he he, he tagged Jeff Bezos in it. And like, you get the Twitter API v2 code. You can copy paste that and like go and execute mm. it. So it's it can read documentation pages. So that way, it's more factful than what code you get from ChatGPT4. So all these kind of things, it's very powerful. So that, uh, what we offer in the paid version is unlimited usage of that. Not full, like technically unlimited. It's more like three hundred queries a day, which is practically unlimited for most people. Um, and then everything else is free. So the way we are thinking about it is the free version grows enough that we can do advertising there. And the paid version is for power users who want to like use it for work or, um, very complex queries that they seek. But, uh, the free users get like 25 queries a day, even on the copilot version. So you don't have to pay if you don't want to, we just want regular daily users to stop using Google and use our product. Uh, I will be one of them. I'm just signing up for the paid version as we wrap up the episode here. Uh, you're hiring. So uh, where can people learn more about what you're hiring for? Uh, we are hiring for iOS and Android mainly right now. So iOS engineers, if you want to come and help build our mobile experiences, please join us. That's All the right, most important. Hi, yeah. Uh, and I think you can go to uh, perplexity.ai slash about and you'll learn more. Yeah. All right, we'll see you all next time on This Week in Startups. Bye-bye. On behalf of the producers and the partnership team, thank you for listening to episode 1770. We'd like to take one more time to thank our partners, Crowdbotics. Get a free scoping session for your next big app idea at crowdbotics.com slash twist. Vanta, get $1,000 off your SOC 2 at vanta.com slash twist. And OpenPhone. Get 20% off your first six months at openphone.com slash twist. If you're looking to become a partner of This Week in Startups, you can email Hannah at hannah at launch.co. That's hannah at launch.co. Thanks for listening.